Well, today we're starting a new teaching series on, on living successfully and, and uh, looking forward to this, praying that God uses it to encourage, to challenge, and give some practical tools and uh, suggestions and thoughts for how to live successfully in the way that you know, God wants us to. And, and I think deep, deep in the core of our being, we, we want to live a successful life. Everybody wants that. And I, I was saddened back before Thanksgiving when I read about the death of uh, David Cassidy uh, because of some of the things I learned about him. When I was in middle school, you know, and some of you, you have your television programs you like to watch. When I was in middle school back in the early 70s, uh, for you young people, that was last century. Uh, <laughs> but it was. Um, you know, Friday nights with, with the Brady Bunch and, and uh, Happy Days and the Partridge family. How many of you ever watched the Partridge family? All right. Most of you have seen the Partridge family. All of you who don't know this TV show for four or five years, um, uh, singing family, and David Cassidy played the character Keith, and he was the lead singer. And, and in, the, in the 70s, David Cassidy was a very popular pop rock singer. He had uh, a number one hits. He had several top ten hits in America. In fact, he had more hits in Great Britain and Europe. He, he sold out stadiums. In fact, uh, the Astrodome, the used to be the Dome Stadium in Houston, he sold that out on two consecutive nights. And one of the things that caused him to stop touring was that uh, one of his concerts, there was this stampede. He was this you know, young heartthrob for teenage girls and, and stuff, and, and there was this stampede, and, and dozens of people were injured, and there was, there was one teenage girl, I think she was, who, who was killed in that stampede, people trying to get in to the, to the concert. And you hear about that from time to time. Um, the most famous one happened in Cincinnati years ago at a concert and people died. And, and, and so he, I'm talking about this, this guy was popular, selling out concerts around the country and overseas and made a lot of money. But when he died, he, he was 67 years old when he died this past November. And I think it's safe to say that when he died, uh, David Cassidy's life was a mess. When you, when you read stuff in the press or saw things on television about it, they didn't use that term. But when they talked about his life, I think an accurate summary is his life was a mess. He had been divorced three times. He was single when he died. He'd been in rehab more than once because he was an alcoholic. Back in the 80s, he actually declared bankruptcy. And when he died, this guy who sold out stadiums and continued to sing and tour up until just a year or so before he died, his estate at most was only worth $150,000. He left it all to his son. He had a daughter that he was estranged from for years, had no relationship with for years. Now, fortunately, they reconciled shortly before he died, but he didn't change his will. But what really saddened me was the last thing David Cassidy said. The last thing he said was so much wasted time. Now, do those sound like the words of somebody who thought his life had been a success? So much wasted time. 
so so many wasted opportunities and, and wasted relationships, so much wasted time. And, and he had so much that many in this world would say is success. He, he was popular. When he died, you know, Hollywood stars and musicians all went on Instagram and Twitter and made these glowing comments about him. He was popular. Made a lot of money. Didn't hold on to it, but he made a lot of money. From a career standpoint, succeeded at in a lot of ways. But he died practically broke with no wife, decades estranged from his daughter. He only had two kids. And his dying words, so much wasted time. An alcoholic. On and on I could go. So this teaching series for the next few weeks on living successfully is intended to help us not end up like that. Because does anybody in this room want to end up that way? Spending years on this planet with broken relationships, seemingly not having a relationship with God, maybe being successful in some parts of your career but not knowing how to manage things and blowing it all so that that you basically die broke, not taking care of yourself so you're addicted to something, How do we live successfully? Because I think that's what we want. We don't want to end up the way his life ended up because I think that's kind of tragic. And I want you to know that God wants you to live successfully. God God wants your life to be everything that he intended it to be. So that's what we're going to talk about the next few weeks. And today I want to begin by, if you will, laying a foundation for living successfully because everything you build in life has to have a really strong foundation. If you build something and it's not built on the right foundation, on a good foundation, sooner or later cracks will appear. It'll begin to lean. And in the worst situations, it collapses, it falls, and brings great destruction. And that's not what we want in life. We don't, we, want, we don't want there to be cracks in our relationships, cracks in our relationship with God and with family and with people, cracks. And, and, and we just don't want there to be that. We, we don't want to collapse. We want to have a good foundation and build a solid, successful life. And to do that, and understand what that looks like, how, how to lay that kind of foundation. I want us to go back to the very beginning. So if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. We're not going to read all that. Just tell the story and highlight a verse or two. Back to the beginning of when God created us, okay? God created human beings. And, and here's the thing. Since God made us, he knows us better than we know ourselves, better than others know us, better than the world and the culture knows humanity. God knows us because he invented us, okay? He put us together, therefore he knows how we work. And if we want to work the best, if we want to, you know, function with purpose and with clarity and and successfully, then we need to listen to the inventor, the creator, the one who wired us, who put us together, and understand what he says about living successfully 
And here's the first thing I want you to, to understand if you're going to build a successful life and build a good foundation is the beginning, and this is so simple but so important, is you must know what success is. So many people don't. So many people would look at David Cassidy and say, success, hit songs, popular, success. And God says, not really. You can't be successful until you define success. What is a successful life? What does it look like? Well, God who created us, who invented us, who put us together, tells us in the first three chapters of Genesis. So let's just walk through that story, okay? In chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, God created us in his image. No other part of creation is created in the image of God, meaning there is something unique and distinct about humanity. We have the possibility of a relationship with God that nothing else in the universe has. Not animals. Not physical matter. Only human beings are created in the image of God. There is a uniqueness to us. And, and, and at the core of our being, life is about a relationship with Him. Now, God created Adam. You know the story in Genesis 1 and 2. God created Adam and looked at Adam and said it's not good for Adam to be alone, so he created Eve. And I, for one, am so glad he did. But in the story, before God created Eve, Adam was working with all these other animals and all these other aspects of creation, and it wasn't fulfilling. Because stuff and things can never fulfill life the way relationships and people can. So here's Adam, here's Eve, here's family, here's relationships. There's God, we're in his image. And they're in this beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden, and all is well. But do, do you know what they were doing in that garden? They were working. In the middle of chapter 2, it, I think it's verse 15, it talks about Adam and them being there and cultivating, tending, keeping, taking care of the garden. Work, physical activity is not a curse. It's not, it's, it's, it's not something evil. Now... I know some of you think about your situation, say, my boss is evil. I, yeah, I get that, but uh, no. Nah. Listen, God from the very beginning intended for us to do stuff with our physical body that adds significance to life. Through your career, through your volunteerism, through your energy and your skills and your brain and your body and your talents and all of that, to do something that makes a difference in this world, that, that contributes to it in a positive and constructive way because that adds significance not only to the world but to you. Now what does that tell us about life as God who invented us intended it to be lived? if we're going to live successfully? Well, it tells us three things in particular. That living successfully means having a healthy relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. We're created in His image. 
That living successfully means having healthy relationships with other people, not alone, but in relationships, and especially our family relationships. And then thirdly, that living successfully means doing things that add significance to our own existence and to this world that make a difference. Providing a living for my family, providing uh, services that, that, that give people a, a hand up, that help people, that, that bring people to faith, that, that give people a better life, making a difference, bringing significance into this world, working physically, whether it's through job or volunteerism or whatever, that makes a difference. And so God is saying, listen, if you want to understand what success is, living successfully, then you have to look at all three of those areas. Your relationship with God, your relationships with people, especially your family, and then what you're doing with your life. What you're spending your energy accomplishing, what significance are you adding to life by what you do through your career and volunteerism and so on. God says that's what success looks like. You, you need to think in terms of the total person because you can be successful in a, one area and a failure in the other. And, and, and God is saying that your life is not as successful as it could be if you're only successful in one or two but a failure in the other one or two. <laughs> I love the way... Uh, the point was made by Michael J. Fox, his mother. Y'all remember Michael J. Fox? Uh, uh, what was those movies? Back to the Future, one, two, and three, and and then a lot of movies since. You know, a lot of movies, television programs. Very famous actor, talented, talented. Um, when he was young and he won his first Emmy. Okay, he won his first Emmy. He flew home uh, to be with his his family, his mom, and you know his, his parents and his siblings. And so he's a young guy and he flies home and he, he takes the Emmy with him. And when he walks into the house, he places it on a table in the front hallway. Then later they all go to bed. <laughs> when he gets up the next morning, he discovers that his mother had placed on the table beside his Emmy his brother's boxing trophy, her bowling trophy, and, and his father's bridge trophy. And no one said a word, but the point was made. Living successfully is not done in isolation. It is done in community. It is done in relationships. God, others, and the difference you're making in this world. If, if your focus in life is primarily on what you see when you look in the mirror, that's not the approach to living successfully. There, there's a great example of living successfully. Every time you get in your car, and if, if, you get, if you go out after church today and get in your car and you turn right down here on Dave Lyle and head out and go past the interstate, go out toward the mall, and on the left, you'll see a restaurant that's closed every Sunday called Chick-fil-A. Truett Cathy founded that. It's still owned by, the chain is still owned by his family. It's never gone public. Now, 
through Kathy, Chick-fil-A, very, very successful from a, just a career, work, business model. Do you know that the local Chick-fil-A franchises, the, the individual franchises, are the most profitable restaurant franchises on the planet? Did you know that? That on average, each franchise makes more than three times more than the average KFC and sells more chicken than KFC. I'd call that success in that one realm, would you? So you can't argue that. And they're closed on Sunday and still making more money than everybody else. So who says you have to do it the way the world says you have to do it in order to be successful? Do you know that Scripture says Satan is the father of every lie? And Scripture also says that the beginning of wisdom is what? Fear of God, reverence for God. Learn to listen to the guy who put you together, who made you, invented you, and knows how to make life work. And that's Jesus Christ. See, true, Kathy was a man of faith. For nearly 30 years, he had the same pastor. I was good friends with this pastor. For decades, Truett Kathy taught a middle school boys Sunday school class every Sunday. He and his wife, Jeanette, were childhood sweethearts, married 65 years, I believe it was. Do you know that in addition to their children and grandchildren in their home, they cared for more than 150 foster children? In 1985, he started the wind-shaped camps. There's a foundation in his name that continues those today that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids go to to learn about character development and life skills every summer. Relationship with God, relationship with family, success in career, adding significance to the world because he took his values from what God says. And it works. See, the first thing in building a foundation for living successfully is you have to know what success is, and it's, it's making certain you take care of those three things. Your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with people, especially your family, and the difference you're making through your career, through your giving, through your volunteerism, through what you do in life. And you, you can't neglect one of those. You have to deal with all of them. Now, here's the second thing. Number one, you have to know what success is. Number two, you have to know how to achieve success. Because it's, some, it's not enough to simply say, hey, this is what, it, what I need. You need to know how to do that, right? So how do you achieve success in these areas? And, and I can't share with you everything I'd like to, but let me just real quickly share a few things with you. Number one, you have to put first things first. If those three things are the key things, if they are the big rocks in your life, you have to deal with them first and through every season of life and stop saying, when this happens and when that changes, I will. Later, I can't right now. You've got to stop thinking like that. And whatever is the big rocks, and I'm saying Scripture teaches, and I think life confirms, these are the three big rocks of life. You have to deal with them first. Not when you can. 
You have to change the way you're talking, change the way you're thinking, and start dealing with these things now. Put them first before everything else in life. You know, when you, when you, <laughs> I like, I like watching cooking shows. Now, one of the ones I, I, I don't get as much out of is Martha Stewart, but she's on TV all the time. I've never fixed anything. She, she shows on TV. It always seems too complicated. I don't know. But anyway, she's popular and successful in her career, right? Magazines, TV. Um, she had been married for about 20-some years, and when her career really took off, she got a divorce, and she's still single. She said, so rather than me describing, let me, let me just read to you, share with you Martha Stewart's own words. This is what she said. She said, my marriage failed because of my attention spent on work. And my ex-husband was not comfortable with me spending so much time at the office. She went on to say, I think the balance, that, that balance is very hard to attain. And, and I marvel at the young women these days who can balance multiple kids and the husband at home with a job. And guys, it's not easy. And it's not just for women. It's not easy for anybody today because there's so much being you know, dumped on us and we're pulled in so many directions, right? And, and all the, the advances in technology, rather than making life easier, while they've made some things easier, overall they've made life more complex. I sometimes joke that I got more real work done before computers were ever invented. See, if you think you have to choose, I'm, I'm going to be successful in this area, and the only way to be successful there is to neglect these other two, that life ultimately is a failure. Because it's like trying to build a house and you've got a really good foundation on one side but the other three sides are bad. Well, if three sides of the foundation are bad, guess what? The foundation's bad. Because all it takes is one bad side for the whole house to start having problems. Put first things First, you can't you can't ignore them and keep putting them off. I, I read I read about a man who bought an expensive painting and he was friends with the artist, so he he asked the artist to come to his house and help him decide where to hang the painting. And, and he so he, he they'd hold it up in this spot and then he'd move it over to this wall and he, and he, you guys you know what it's like when you buy a new piece of furniture and you move it here and you, you anybody ever had that experience? So that's what they're doing with this expensive painting. And eventually the, uh, the, the artist gets frustrated and says, you're going about this the wrong way. He said, what you need to do is move all the furniture out of the room. Hang the painting where you want it and then arrange the furniture around the painting. Because whatever the focal point of life, whatever those focuses are, whatever the priorities, the big rocks, whatever you want to call it, whatever those, those really significant things are, the first things are, you have to build the rest of your life around those, not build those around the rest of your life. And sometimes that means making some tough decisions. It means owning stuff and stop blaming 
means getting alone and listening to God and listening to what He's trying to say to your heart and to your life and to your mind. Uh, there's so much I, I want to say about this and just don't have time. So I, what I'm going to do on Wednesday nights, that's my new class. What do you think? <laughs> hey, I think I look pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to come Wednesday night and see what happens? We're going to talk about this stuff because I'm going to give you some practical tools and different processes that you can use, some simple, some a little more complex because different things work for different ones of us. So each Wednesday night, I'm going to take what I'm talking about here and, 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 and just give you some practical how-tos. How, how do you identify these big rocks and, and then how do you put them first? What, do, what does that look like, look like in everyday living? So... Come Wednesday night and get that for free, 6.30 in room 210 back here on the corner, okay? Here's the third thing about laying a foundation. You know, know what success is, how to achieve it. Put first things first. Uh, secondly, you have, to, you have to have character. You have to develop character. Our, our culture today just doesn't put much stock in character. Or, or when somebody talks about it, they're very hypocritical about it. Character, integrity, values, ethics, morality, it matters. Back in the 90s, one of the best-selling books was Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he and his research team, one of the points they, they made was, they, listen, this is interesting, they studied obituaries. Obituaries today went back 100 years ago and studied obituaries, and they talked about, I, I can't remember if they said personality culture or what the word was but it was but it was personality versus character in other words today in obituaries and other things we talk a lot about personality what people accomplish we, we have people today who are famous just for being famous i don't get it they've never done anything but been famous and they're famous for being famous go figure that out <laughs> it's all about the personality and the accomplishments, David Cassidy, great personality, likable guy, great musician, on and on and on. But what about character? And so 100 years ago, most of the obituaries talked about character, the kind of person that person was. Because our culture today says personality and charisma and, and, and accomplishment. But our culture used to say, no, the kind of man you are, the kind of woman you are, the kind of human being you are mattered more. And isn't that exactly what God is saying? Character. Because when did everything mess up in the beginning? So God, you know, here, here's Adam and Eve, here's humanity in relationship with God, relationship with each other, good environment, making a difference, doing good stuff, having fun at it. And then all of a sudden Satan comes along and he tempts them and he makes them question God and doubt God. And so therefore they, they do the opposite of what God says. And everything becomes a mess. They sin. And all of a sudden, cracks start showing up in the foundation and, and, and in the wall of life. Character matters. Because it doesn't matter. Listen, 
You, you, you can do things. You, you can be so successful here and there, but if you lack character, sooner or later the cracks in your character will show up and be visible, and it will cause failure. And, and it can happen at 17, 37, 57, or 87 years of age. I mean, Bill Cosby. <laughs> For decades, a mother's father, funny, great shows. Now, you know, the Cosby show, my favorite was when I was, when I was a kid, his show, Fat Albert. I loved that cartoon. That was one of his. It made good points. And yet, through, through all those decades, there was a character flaw. And now here he is, an old man, and it showed up, and he's not respected anymore. See, see, lack of character can, can cause your life to start coming apart at any moment, any season, any age, any stage. And it's, it's, it's not just famous people. I mean, every time you turn on the news or, you know, look at a website today, you know, all the politicians and the Hollywood people and the news people, the Matt Lowers of the world and all, you know, it's just a mess out there. But it's not just popular people. It's everyday people. In the news this weekend is a 40-year-old chief of police in a small town in Pennsylvania who just a few months ago, his, his wife gave birth to a baby boy and, and this past Friday, he lost his job and he was arrested because he was caught soliciting sex online with a 14-year-old girl who actually was an undercover cop pretending to be a 14-year-old girl. But don't we hear that stuff all the time? character so this and, and when he was interrogated he, he admitted everything and one of the things he said that caught my attention was he said my life is over and in many ways it is so if you're going to build a foundation listen you got to take the big rocks the most important things and put them first deal with them first and you have to have character and then here's the last thing and i'll be done if when you look at your life right now and you're honest you say it's out of balance. There's a crack. These three areas, relationship with Jesus Christ, relationships with people, especially my family, and making a difference in the world through my career, through volunteerism, et cetera, et cetera, those three areas, I'm lacking somewhere. I'm struggling somewhere. I'm a failure somewhere. If things are not right somewhere, then it may be that what you need to do is something dramatic, something drastic to change it right now. And, and, and stop saying, I'm going to later, right now. Do something dramatic to change it, to fix it. Make the tough choices. I... Um, I love the story I, I read about Maria Shriver some years ago. President Kennedy's niece, married for years to Arnold Schwarzenegger until he proved he had no character and cheated on her. And you'll remember years ago, she, she was a reporter for NBC News, a journalist. Well, in the early 90s, 
they were coming upon the 30-year anniversary of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, how many of you are old enough to, re to remember the Cuban Missile Crisis? How many of you don't have a clue what the Cuban Missile Crisis was? It's about, it, it was a time in the early 60s when Russia and America almost went to nuclear war and blew the world up when Kennedy was president. It's a very scary time. Russia was putting nuclear missiles in Cuba, just off the coast of Florida. Tense time. Unfortunately, it got resolved, and they took the missiles out and so on. But anyway, in early 90s, it was coming up on the 30-year anniversary of that crisis, and Maria Shriver had this idea that if she, as the niece of President Kennedy, could get a face-to-face -face interview with Fidel Castro, the communist dictator nut job of Cuba, well, that's what he was. It'd be, you know, you know, as far as career-wise, it'd be a real coup. That'd be a historic interview. And so she spent four years writing Fidel Castro letters trying to get him to agree to an interview, and he completely ignored her. As it was getting closer to the anniversary on a whim, she flew to Cuba with no appointment seeking a face-to-face -face with Fidel Castro, and she was there for several days. Nothing. Then finally she got in to see him for just a moment, and he agreed to do an interview with her the next day. But he got sick. And it had to be postponed another week to the following Monday. But the problem was that Monday when she was going to get this historic interview with Fidel Castro and it would make her career, that Monday was the day that her three-year-old daughter was to start preschool for the first time, and she had promised her that mommy would take her to preschool on her first day. What do you think? Without any promises or guarantee of anything in the future, she got on a plane and flew back to her home in California. And she took her little girl to the first day of preschool. Two weeks later, she flew back to Cuba with no appointment. Eventually got in to see Castro. And the first thing he asked her, how's everything at your little girl's new school? So you, you, got, you have to know what the big rocks are. I'm not saying it's easy, and I, I, I'm not trying to tell you specifically how that might look in your life, but you've got to figure that out. You, you can't be successful when it comes to living if you don't know what that looks like. And don't spend all your time building this one thing while everything else around you gradually falls apart. Because sooner or later, it means your life starts falling apart. 
So over the weeks to come, we're going to talk about how, how, how you do some of this stuff. But the beginning point is just owning it. This is what a successful life looks like. This is what successful living is. And I'm going to own that, and I'm going to work at making those big rocks, <laughs> my big rocks, those priorities, the priorities in my life, and I, I, I'm going to figure out how to do it God's way in each of those areas. Because when I get to the end of my life, I don't want to say so much wasted time. Let's stand. We're going to sing a, a song and pastors and others will be here at the front. And I'm in, inviting you to come right now as we sing and pray to God about your life to get on your knees at this kneeling bench and talk about what your life looks like, what it needs to look like, what you want it to look like. Talk to God about the things He's been whispering to your mind and to your heart this morning. And maybe the beginning is, is, is just to own where you are and then talk to God about where you want to go. And open yourself up to Him. Maybe it's, it's, it's this moment that you need to stop saying, I'm going to win. I will later. And say, right now, today, I start. I begin.